Welcome to ISA's ArborViews podcast, a series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. I'm Bob Polumsky, your host on this episode of ArborViews. I'm joined now by Cecil Kananendijk, Professor of Green Space Management at the University of Copenhagen. He coordinates the center's research group on parks, people, and policies. He's also the author of The Forest and the City, The Cultural Landscape of Urban Woodland. Today, he joins us for a discussion of how urban forestry promotes sustainable human health and well-being. Hello, Cecil. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Bob. I'm delighted to be here. Tell me, what does evidence say about the relationship between nature and human health? Well, Bob, it's actually exciting times in that sense, because we have maybe intuitively always known that nature is good for us. But uh, recently, we see more and more research confirming that, in fact. And, And one way of looking at it is looking at the therapy side of things. So we know that in terms of what we call nature-assisted therapy, there's proof that nature actually has a positive impact on our health. And this is especially true for nature, um, for for, um, uh, mental disorders such as depression, schizophrenia, but also, for example, in terms of obesity, so the physical effect. We know that people that use green spaces are generally mentally as well as physically healthier. Interesting, Cecil. And now tell me, in what ways can urban forestry and urban trees contribute uh, to healthier and more sustainable cities and towns around the world? Well, the very fact that we know that green space has a positive impact, of course, is a very interesting uh, agenda for urban forestry. It means that we have to take green spaces all the way up to where people are living, and uh, we're doing that as much as we can. But it's not only about bringing green space to people's doorsteps, it's also about the right type of green space. We know from research that certain green environments have better impacts on our mental health, for example. And would you mind just elaborating a bit on that, uh, trying to characterize these green spaces and their impacts? Sure. So we know that in in general, uh, people should have access. So that's number one. If people have access to green space, we know they use it more. And per se, that also means that they'll have a better physical health and also uh, mental health. But then there's the issue of what kind of green space we're looking at. Simply viewing a tree already has an impact on us, we know, Mm -hmm. from research. But um, going into a forest environment, for example, has a very deep... Uh, impact as well, what we call serene setting, which is actually uh, mentally very uh, restoring for us. Okay. Now, now tell me, does this cross uh, cultures, ethnicities, uh, economic status? Interesting enough, it does. Uh, many people who have criticized theories like uh, Savannah theory and, and Roger Ulrich's theories and so have said, well, you know, this, this must be culturally sensitive. But research shows time and time over again, it's not. All human beings seem to respond in very similar ways here. Very interesting. Uh, I was just also curious about the partnerships that need to be formed to help encourage urban forestry development to promote human health and well-being. Well, I think it's crucial for us here to work together with uh, the medical sector. Um, If we want to get our messages across and show that green space is good for our health, we need to get the medical profession on board. Um, And that's happening more and more. Uh, We see that, for example, uh, stress researchers are very interested now and and try to team up with urban forestry researchers as well. So we need to get those partnerships in place. And here, of course, the issue is that the medical profession requires very hard core evidence. So we need to have the experimental trials and so in place. Well, if, if you wouldn't mind uh, just uh, giving an idea of, of how things may differ or how they're similar with regard to the medical community, let's say in Sweden versus the U.S. or other countries. But you're right about the, the medical community wanting hard evidence. And what I really love about your whole approach here is that when we even look at pain management, it doesn't necessarily have to be managed with with medications, with drugs, but bringing this this green space 
into the picture really has an impact. But but tell us about that. Uh, uh, how have you ex experienced any resistance in Sweden with regard to the, the kind of connections you're trying to make with the medical community and and uh, this idea of green space? It's it's a it's a very interesting issue. And and my my partner, I work together in in these issues with um, Dr. Matilda Anderstedt, who is a medical uh, professional, and she has been trying to bring the message across and uses the language of the medical sector, which makes her job easier than my job coming <laughs> with my green uh, green jacket on. But it turns out that there are, um, unfortunately, still few, but there are few uh, practici general practitioners that are interested in this topic and try to uh, to think about prescribing nature, for example, to uh, people with mental disorders. But we're early days. We still have to develop those connections much better. Now, tell me, Cecil, is this something that maybe needs to be brought into the medical schools, uh, training these physicians before they become uh, practitioners? I would say so, and, and uh, again, Matilda and I, we've been thinking about maybe having some, some basic uh, courses in medical school that would actually touch upon nature-assisted therapy, but also the whole promotion uh, factor. We know that promotion could really save us billions of, of dollars in, in healthcare. So if we would bring uh, the promotion side, the, hel the healthy lifestyle side on board, we could really make a big effort here. And here, urban forestry would obviously play a role. People would be fitter, they would be mentally healthier, etc. This is this is just so encouraging <laughs> to hear you say this. Now, I th what I will, what I think our listeners would love to hear are just some of your personal experiences with regard to these urban forestry activities uh, around the world. Tell us, give some of those examples. There are some very good examples in the United Kingdom, for example. There has been a program called the Natural Health Service, where uh, the medical professionals and and. Uh, nature conservation and green space authorities have gone together to promote, for example, walking. Um, so people have been walking massively, have been involved in volunteering activities and thus have promoted their mental health. Therapeutic gardens is another example. In, in Sweden, both in Sweden and Denmark, we've set up therapeutic gardens where, for example, people with mental disorders, but also people with post-traumatic stress syndrome can come and recover from their, their illnesses. And they, these, uh, these programs have been extremely effective in bringing people back into regular lives and uh, regular jobs. Wow. And what I think is really important from your perspective is that you do have to put science to this because what I've learned over the years is that sometimes it seems like it's emotionally driven that unless you have, and you mentioned this earlier, the hard data and teaming up with a medical doctor, you're able to prov provide this hard data uh, and show through st statistics that, that this is, is viable and it's an important component uh, leading to the well-being of, of patients, of individuals. Absolutely also right. Also the lifestyle yeah. change. Indeed, yeah. But it's absolutely, I think that the evidence part is extremely important. And the clinical trials, which is almost the golden standard in the medical profession, they are very difficult in our field, especially when we talk about promotion. But we have uh, seen examples now where, where very well-designed uh, research is actually showing, or at least indicating, that there is a, really a story to be told here. So we're starting on a very interesting road here, I would say. Definitely. And you, you, you uh, are taking us on this road, and we actually need more information. Because I could imagine, and I'm really hoping that we've got various decision makers and municipalities listening to what you're telling us here, because you could provide some really good evidence uh, for communities that they do need to create more of these green spaces for their, for their uh, well-being. Uh, but we need information, we need data. Where can we get more information? How perhaps can we contact you? How can you provide us with this data? There is luckily uh, some information around and I would encourage people maybe as a first step to contact me, for example, on LinkedIn if they uh, are on that. Uh, I'm, I have a profile there, so they'll be very welcome to, to send me a message. 
Um, and then there is a, is a whole network now across the world of people who are interested in this. So I could point people into that, uh, into the direction of, of the right professionals to, uh, to get involved. But I would say one thing. Research is one thing. The evidence is another thing. And the third thing is we have to take action. So we really have to start because we know enough, I think, to act and to connect the green space with the medical profession. Thank you very much, Cecil, uh, for joining us in Arbor Use. This was just a wonderful discussion. Thank you very much, Bob. You've been listening to Dr. Cecil Kananendike, Professor of Green Space Management at the University of Copenhagen and author of The Forest and the City, The Cultural Landscape of Urban Woodland. Mm-hmm.